Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 25th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features the latest on the state's most powerful lawmaker, Senator Hugh Leatherman, who is receiving hospice care. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden was in Charleston on Monday to visit the Hollins Cancer Center at the Medical University of South Carolina and also to visit troops and their families at Joint Base Charleston. We hear from Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President and CEO Tom Barkin in an exclusive one-on-one interview as we look at the state's and regional economy. And Victoria Hansen has a report about the need for pregnant women to get vaccinated. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail to hear from you all about your life during these uncertain times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your world. It's Halloween. We want to hear about costumes. We want to hear about trick-or-treating. Favorite candy. Lee's favorite candy. Candy corn. All of that and more. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 13,559 total deaths, and currently there are 893,626 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 25th at 4 p.m. Our current percent positive rate is 4.6%. Right now, 726 South Carolinians are hospitalized with COVID-19, 235 are in intensive care, and 165 are on ventilators. There are six children hospitalized with COVID-19, three are in critical care, and one is on a ventilator. Currently, 54.5% of eligible South Carolinians, or 2.34 million people, have been fully vaccinated in the state. The state's most powerful and oldest lawmaker, Senator Hugh Leatherman, is currently in hospice in Florence after the discovery of aggressive cancer. The 90-year-old Republican has chaired the powerful Senate Finance Committee for two decades and won his 11th Senate term last November. Leatherman has been a longtime target due to the amount of power his position wields by sitting on a number of influential boards, including the State Fiscal Accountability Authority, the State Transportation Infrastructure Bank, and many others responsible for big spending projects in the state. A reorganization of the state Senate a few years ago saw his power over the body diminished after the Senate pro tem position that he was elected to had its power divested in part to the president of the Senate, which was formerly the lieutenant governor. But that changed when the lieutenant governor position became more consolidated with the governor's office and the two began running on the same ticket in 2018 and thus began a slight loosening of Leatherman's power in the Senate. Something that became evident this past year when a long-gated debate broke out over moves by the state's Ports Authority and Department of Commerce to secure up to $500 million in funding for near-dock rail infrastructure for the new port in North Charleston that bears Leatherman's name, one of several facilities in the state that does. Leatherman, who was a Democrat up until the mid-1990s, changed parties when it became evident how his predominantly Florence-based district was changing. He has staved off challenges from Democrats and Republicans alike over the years. Leatherman is responsible for much economic progress in the state and his district, such as helping land the Boeing plant in North Charleston, but also back home in his district of Florence. He helped push through a penny sales tax in 2006 to improve six major roads in the area and got $250 million in state funding for it. His partnership with former Florence Mayor Stephen J. Wokila and City Council, along with the nonprofit Drs. Bruce and Lee Foundation, 
and a strong relationship with Francis Marion University's president, Dr. Fred Carter, helped transform and revitalize downtown Florence to help attract more people and businesses to the center of the PD region, home to Otis Elevator, a GE plant, Honda, McCall Farms, Thermo Fisher Scientific, and more. Leatherman's background is in engineering, and he formed Florence Concrete Products back in the 50s. While he stopped running the company in the early 90s, he still owns part of it and drew a salary from it even when it received millions of dollars in state contracts over the years, which has been at the center of much criticism due to his position on several influential boards. Next up, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden made her second trip to the Palmetto State in as many weeks, this time visiting the Medical University of South Carolina's Hollins Cancer Center before visiting with military families at Joint Base Charleston. I was down in Charleston and covered Biden's stop at MUSC, where she highlighted Breast Cancer Awareness Month and the work being done at the Hollins Cancer Center, which bears the name of the late, long-serving U.S. Senator Fritz Hollins, who was close with the Bidens. The First Lady met with a survivor, doctors, and researchers at the center, and she briefly gave these comments when asked about her visit. You know, it's uh, stories I've heard since 1993 when four of my Close friends were diagnosed with breast cancer. One of them did not survive. And I vowed then that, you know, as an educator, I had to do something. So I started the Biden Breast Health Initiative to teach young women about the importance of good breast health to create awareness of how important early detection is. And so we've got to, our administration is committed because we during this pandemic, we've lost so many screenings. I mean, you know, we're down 10 million. We've got to make it up, whether it's breast cancer, prostate cancer, uh, colonoscopies, whatever it is, we have to continue to keep getting the word out, creating awareness, so that women like Latoya, you know, find out early that they have breast cancer and that there is hope. As, as Dr. Ned says, if they catch it early, they have a in stage one and maybe stage two, they have a good chance of survival. So that's what we're that's what we're aiming for, right? And that's right. what I'm sure all the docs here are saying that we got to create awareness. That's why we got to get out to our world. Biden also visited families at Joint Base Charleston, which is home to the 437th Airlift Wing, which played a critical role in the Afghanistan airlift during America's removal of personnel and troops from the country. At the base, she said to those gathered, quote, In the final days of America's war, the women and men of the 437th Airlift Wing distinguished themselves in the execution of one of the largest humanitarian airlifts ever conducted. She added, Our Afghan allies have become friends, partners, and even family. She said expressing gratitude for Americans and the military service in welcoming Afghan refugees into the United States, quote, without conditions or complaints. Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond President and CEO Tom Barkin says we still have to wait and see what the next few months have in store for inflation, as supply chain and labor issues persist here and around the world. I caught up with Barkin in Greenville, where he was the keynote speaker of a Chamber of Commerce-sponsored symposium on workforce development. I asked him whether supply chain problems, the labor shortage, or inflation is the biggest issue facing South Carolina's economy right now. Here's what he said. Well, I'm very focused on the labor side because I think it underlies everything. Mm. Um, when you say there are supply chain shortages, it's not as simple as people don't have materials. 
often they don't have enough workers. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to people about why don't you add some capacity to alleviate these shortages, people will say, I can't find any workers to build the capacity. So I think labor is behind a good bit of the supply chain side. I also think to the extent we've had price pressures this year, some of it is labor. And if you look at people paying more money, let's say in fast food places, uh, and therefore forced to increase their prices because they've increased their costs, that's labor too. And so where I'm focused is on the labor side. And what makes it interesting, important, is we have five million fewer workers employed today in this country than we did 18 months ago. And so it's possible. There's been a significant structural change. People have reassessed their lives, retired, decided to stay home from work. But it's also possible that we don't yet have the circumstances in place to get them into the workforce. And the difference between having and not having those five million workers is a pretty big deal. And when we look at getting back to bringing those five million people back into the workforce, how do you do that? What, what are your messages? What do you think needs to be done to re-engage them in a sense? Well, there's a lot of work being done on this topic, but there are a few things I think that are pretty straightforward. One is we got to put this virus behind us. Um, retirements spiked last year. Um, you can imagine that people in their 60s might have said, I'm not sure I'm going to put myself at risk working in a workforce. So giving them the confidence they can go back to the workforce and be healthy, that's important. Uh, getting schools open and safe and stable. Um, I hear a lot from parents uh, in South Carolina mm -hmm. who, because the schools opened up earlier here than in most of the rest of my district, talking about quarantines and kids getting sent home sick. And it's hard to commit to work if you don't know how you're going to handle your your child rearing. So that's another uh, piece of it. Child care, that industry is an industry that was troubled before the pandemic. Um, it's one of those classic industries where the wages are low and the prices are too high and the profits are too low for people to build. And so it's just an industry that's not all that functional right now. And you will need childcare at scale to be able to support even more people uh, in the workplace. All that's relevant. I think the question of how all uh, the various incentives that hit individuals hit, and there's been a lot of talk about the enhanced unemployment, but I would point to the stimulus checks as well, also the child tax credit, and maybe even more fundamentally, the amount of money that people have saved, mm -hmm. whether it is by these various packages or just because they've spent a lot less, which gives them the financial flexibility to be choosy. And, and when you're choosy, you often look for higher wages. And so all of that is going on uh, in the workforce right now. And I, I really think getting this virus behind us and getting to the other side, that, that is a really fundamental uh, piece of the puzzle. What another part too, when you're talking about be people being choosy, I think about four million people quit in August, it sounded like, and about a fourth of them, a fourth of them actually quit without even having other jobs lined up. What does that indicate to you that people are just looking for something better, that they have abilities to, to kind of demand higher wages or look for a better, better job? Well, I've been talking to a lot of headhunters and others about this topic, um, and I think there are four or five things going on uh, together. Uh, one is, people generally don't quit during a uh, downturn, mm -hmm. right? If you've got a job, you want to keep the job, and now that we're sort of on the other side of it maybe people have a little more confidence to quit. In addition, right, um, if people around you have been quitting and coming back with stories of how good their job is or how much more money they got paid, maybe you think it's time to do that. There's a looming set of mismatches that exist in the workforce. Um, I want to work remote, but my employer wants me to come back. Or I want to work in person, and my employer wants to go remote. Or maybe I moved with my boyfriend or girlfriend to some other city and haven't told my employer yet. Uh, vaccine mandates could be relevant to it. You know, I don't want to go to a place where everyone isn't vaccinated or I don't want to go back if I have to get 
mm-hmm. uh, vaccinated. And in a lot of professional settings, I'm hearing stories of people who have been living in workplaces where they're short employees and they've just been working harder and harder and harder. And so there's this- paid more? Well, no, there's a doom loop where people leave, you work harder, then you leave. And I think a lot of companies are kind of struggling with that right now. And so all of these are leading to elevated uh, elevated quits. And um, you know, again, I wanna see if we can't get some more folks back in the workforce to loosen the stress here. We're talking more about costs going up as well. We're talking about inflation. South Carolinians are paying more to eat dinner, more to drive their cars to work, and then paying more in rent. It's, it's also going up as well. When do you foresee this inflation start to taper, or are we going to be stuck with it for longer than we expected, or how long do we, how long do we have to deal with this for? <laughs> well, I mean, I think we all know that the price inflation we're seeing right now is being driven disproportionately by um, the challenges our economy has had coming back to work after the pandemic. Um, a lot of it has been in new cars and used cars and car rentals. That's because for some reason we can't get chips. Um, uh, a lot of it has been returned to normal in places like airlines and hotels and entertainment. That's because it dropped so much a year ago uh, and now it's back up. Rents dropped a bunch a year ago and now they're coming back up. So those are factors that are very real, they're very tangible, and they're very tied to this re- incredibly complicated reopening of our economy. Also, stay tuned. We'll get an update from Boeing this week on how their third quarter earnings shaped up and any more updates on the troubled Dreamliner 787 that is produced in North Charleston, but has faced production delays due to several manufacturing issues. You've heard from medical professionals on this podcast stress the importance of getting vaccinated, especially women who are thinking about becoming pregnant or who are pregnant. This is due to a higher risk of COVID-19 complications if they get sick, but even still many are hesitant. Victoria Hansen with South Carolina Public Radio has this report for us. 36-year-old Kimberly Grice needed a walker during her final month of pregnancy just to get down the hall of her home near Myrtle Beach to a lavender nursery. This is her room here, where our family, our sister-in-law, brother-in-law painted it for. Kimberly struggled to hang up tiny clothes or organize a changing table. She had been hospitalized and on a ventilator. This after a trip to the emergency room in late July for what turned out to be COVID-19 pneumonia. Kimberly wasn't vaccinated. She feared it might hurt the baby. But doctors now insist it is safe. Kimberly's husband, Tori, shares the story she can't remember, including the question he was repeatedly asked in case of complications. What life would you want us to save first? And I'm like, huh? Doctors wanted to know if something went wrong, whose life should they prioritize, Kimberly's or the baby's? You know, what you want to say is, like, both of them, but, you know, that can't be the answer. Kimberly's liver appeared to be failing. Doctors considered an emergency C-section, but decided not to deliver the baby nine weeks early. When Kimberly came to, it was nearly September, and she was confused. How did she wind up in a Charleston hospital? And who were the doctors and nurses now in her room? 
And they're like, I just need to see you. They're like, you were so sick. They're like, you're, you're a miracle. Kimberly's body was worn out, but she has since given birth to a healthy baby girl. The risk of putting your life at risk, your unborn child's life at risk, is not worth it. Dr. Rebecca Wineland, the director of labor and delivery at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, is concerned. Nearly two-thirds of pregnant women still are not vaccinated, despite the Centers for Disease Control now strongly urging them to do so. She has seen firsthand what the CDC warns. Expecting mothers infected with the fast-spreading Delta variant are twice as likely to be admitted to the ICU and have a 70% increased risk of death. Dr. Wineland understands the reluctance of pregnant women to get the vaccine, admitting there hasn't been a clear message about its safety until now. And that it will absolutely save your life and decrease your risk of hospitalization if you were to get COVID. But that message came too late for Scott Baisley and his two-month-old son, Sullivan. Scott's wife, Claire, was 33 weeks pregnant when she collapsed on the floor within days of being diagnosed with COVID. She was quickly hospitalized with double pneumonia. A week later, doctors decided they had to deliver Sullivan by C-section. Claire was put on a ventilator and given a 10% chance to live. Less than a month after her diagnosis, doctors were trying desperately to save Claire. But that was it. That was, I just watched her numbers drop. I watched her blood oxygen continue to go down. I watched her heart rate increase. Suddenly, Claire was gone. COVID had taken her life. She never got to hold Sullivan. Having a son without a mother has been one of the most painful things I've ever experienced. A pain Scott doesn't want anyone else to have to endure. Thanks, Victoria. You can find that reporting and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news, even though sometimes it creeps on in here. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things. What's going on with you and the kids? Are you homeschooling? Are they back at school? <laughs> Are you working from home? What's happening? Are you early Christmas shopping? We talked if about you, this. You a have to ago. tell yeah. us. You got to tell us. You have If you're a cop, you have What's to tell us. What's the hot gift for this Christmas? Let us know. 803-563-7169. It's not that far I, away. I hate that you're talking about Christmas right now. I mean, I hate myself too, but I, I get it. I understand how it works. You don't see me complaining you, about you it. You know, supply chain issues, baby. Santa Claus is only one man. <laughs> um, AT, we got a message. We got a message. Uh, uh, yeah. You want to hear it? Mm, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Twist my arm. Hey, Gavin and AT. Hope you guys survived your uh, camping excursion. This is Noah calling from the other JI in South Carolina. Gavin, that's John's Island. <laughs> uh, and I am currently in isolation as my youngest daughter, who's uh, eight months years old, eight months, uh, caught COVID from her nanny. So my wife and I are spending our lockdown days trying to keep our kids separate. Uh, the other is uh, just over two years old. 
And we're keeping them separate because she tested negative, so we're trying to prevent spreading it to her. Uh, it's rough. There's only so much Cocoa Melon you can watch. Uh, I wanted to make sure and mention that if we're talking Lord of the Rings and weapons, obviously Andoril, which was Aragorn's dad's sword, which got remade by the elves, is clearly the best weapon. Uh, also, everybody knows that rainbow sandals are the only acceptable footwear year-round, even in snow, and I have done that. Uh, so can end the debate on Crocs, Uggs, etc. Anyway, uh, COVID sucks. Just glad so far my my and my wife's vaccine seems to be protecting us. Uh, hope everybody continues to stay safe and healthy. And thanks for the podcast, guys. All right. Noah, thank you for calling us from isolation. We got a little sound Ooh, yeah. back there. It sounds like things are <laughs> got his hands full for sure. Him and his wife, you know, separate an eight-month-old from a two-year-old. Oh, gosh, that's Ugh. a lot of moving parts there. Gross. And, uh, yeah, these situations continue, you know, people getting sick, eight-month-old getting sick, getting the, the COVID. And even as our rates continue to fall, it's something we still have to be very aware of, especially like we keep hearing about cold and flu season picking up. Yeah, that's I hope gonna you got be, your flu shot. Get your I flu shot. Get my I got flu mine. shot, actually, I got this mine. weekend. Yeah. yeah, I got mine. A um, little sore arm, but no big deal if that's what it's going to take, especially because, whew, I don't know, I, I'm a little worried about this flu season, just coming back yeah. with a vengeance since last no year. No masks, less masks. Is gonna, I, they're going to be people sick. But I, I will, mm-hmm. I love Noah. I love the dig you got in at, at Gavin's J.I. Love that. I'll take it. He'll take it. He, he, he accepted it. And, but I also love well. the yeah. rainbows over Great, Crocs. Crocs. I will support rainbows over Crocs. Yeah, yeah. And, but I do have to take you to task uh, about Andoril there because that's not Aragorn's nah. dad's weapon. But <laughs> while, while they are a line of Dunedain and do live nah. very long, it's not his dad's weapon, but it is his descendant. Uh, point of order. It's his ancestor's. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> it's his ancestor's weapon. But uh, yeah, it's but, a yeah. good choice. Andoril's very good. The blade that was broken, but has been remade. Very I will, good. I will say, I did. You, you know this. I documented several high-level fashionable yes, sightings I, of Crocs over the weekend on my Insta story. Yeah. Some uh, of them were fabu. I loved them, you know? <laughs> there was one like, with, like, stud spikes and studs and on 18, them, right? Do you know who that was? Who was that? Tell me. Who A long-time listener them? of this podcast. <laughs> Meowligator. Oh, it was Meowligator? Allie Love wears it. studded out, tricked out Crocs. That Allie were, and I are are uh, uh, kindred spirits of uh, of chaos. That was a, like. after a long night. I think in heels. I think she made the switch to sport mode. Yeah, that's <laughs> like what that's what it's about. Sure, but I I mean having the studs and the spikes. And I, she she was yeah. strapped down, so she was ready to fight. Ready someone. for a fight, like, just like some other one was, I sent you. I think of like clouds, and then there's another. Yeah. I mean, there, I will there's give a tie dye one. Just the the different prints and the different approaches. Yes, they get a little bit, uh, you know, better. Standing, I would say, but still, it's still that low bar of Crocs. City, this Crocs is a City. this is a tough place for you to be straddling this line I between your su- friends who wear them <laughs> and Meg, <laughs> your best friend who hates them. Very tough for you. Very very gray area. I will say there was a loud sigh. I mean, Allie's is quite a fashionista too, but oh, there was a loud mm-hmm. sigh when I saw there those things. I respect out. it. I respect it. I respect it. But anyway, comfort, we're comfort. moving on Can't from Crocs from from Lord of the Rings to another fantasy world Gavin. we're gonna talk we're gonna talk <laughs> yeah, dune okay fantasy we, world. <laughs> we've both watched it and i would i'd like to know what you think about it i thought it was great i like the, I, you know, the visual fabulous. i mean it, was, it just gave me like those uh the new blade runner vibes you know so much mm-hmm. of um yes. i know everyone's kind of there's been some panning about the acting and how like drawn I out some things fine. were i thought it was great you know i know it's just part two but 
I loved it. Visually, it was great. I, I don't love Chalamet. And I'll, I'll be on okay. record and say, well, I don't you love know, Chalamet. You're and say I that. thought he did a good job. I yeah. thought he did a good job as Paul Atreides. There were some changes that I will gripe with. I'm not going to name them all here because Gavin's eyes will roll into think, the back of his head. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I loved it, and, and I truly did watch it the way the director intended um, in my parents' basement in New Jersey. And uh, the, the first five minutes was my mom uh, yelling at dogs, and then halfway through, my dad barged in and wanted to talk about what we were going to order for dinner. So I think oh, yeah, that's exactly that's how Bill and the Wave wanted us to watch it. Quite you know? like the David Lynch version, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Uh, but no, I love that movie. Yeah. I wish it went on for longer. Yeah, and I definitely um, need to watch it again, too, just because it was, I don't know, it was just very I, I, enjoyable. I, I can't recommend it more. Mm -hmm. the, like, you got to go see this movie, and, I, and I'd love to go see it in the theater. Yes, in the theater. for sure. I want to go see it in IMAX. It, I, it, it makes me want to go, even though it skews me out a little bit. And um, another hot recommendation when it comes to, you know, TV, movies, I just finished uh, Only Murders in the Building, which if oh, you guys are podcast I really listeners, want to watch that. Yeah, I really it's about a podcast, that. and I don't but want to give away too much. Steve I don't want to say too much, but Steve Martin, Martin Short, and yeah. uh, Selena Gomez, and there's a lot of fun little cameos in there too. I mean, it's a <laughs> it's a fun fun watch. So I'm excited to watch that. I know I'm gonna like that. Yeah, I've been telling everyone about it, and no complaints so far. So check it out. That's on Hulu. Let Hulu. us know what you're watching. You know, it's going to be that chilly season where everyone's just kind of hunkering down and watching the tube. That's called <laughs> cuffing <laughs> season, right? Cuffing yeah. season, right? <laughs> That's what I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> You've oh. never cuffed or been cuffed. No. Interesting. You're untamable. I yeah? can't be held down. Everyone knows this about me. Uh, I think you're untamable, sort of like Gandalf's steed, Shadowfax, the, mm -hmm. the the Lord of all horses. I yes? was truly untamable back in my early 20s when I had my shoulder length hair. <laughs> and now I've somewhat conformed to society's standards. I but... don't know. I've seen you. I, you look more tameable with the long hair. You <laughs> you slink into shadows a little bit more. And now you're, 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 you shine more brightly, I think. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting take. Mm -hmm. um but yeah that was it and uh we you know just got back we're taping this podcast late on monday we usually late. tape it around two it's at 6 45 i think it's the first first one we've ever done in the dark that wasn't a live the show, darkness right? yeah the dark um uh, probably could have taped it in the car but i was driving back from charleston with meg and actually i was i had to drive back she was following photos and a story on the way back so would love to have her hold the mic up for you and you try to drive and read the script <laughs> at the same time that'd be yeah. interesting for me yeah yeah uh <laughs> Maybe you can get the recording after we crash the car. <laughs> anyway, Gavin, let's wrap this up. I have yes. a pizza. I got uh, I got a pizza. Uh, some, I got to eat. <laughs> I got a calamari. We got some galamad coming, Ooh. so I'm, I'm very excited. So let me get out of here, and then uh, we're gonna we're both gonna go to bed immediately. Anyway, yes, so. yes, yes. Well, everyone, everyone, thanks for listening to the pod. We appreciate it. Always love hearing from you guys, especially Noah. Thanks for calling. You guys can call like Noah did at 803-563-7169. and also maybe leave us a review on iTunes. We love those too. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Hello. Go ahead. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Go ahead. <laughs>